when I hear about people getting like a weekly paycheck of eggs, it's just like odd to me because I structure it differently. But it's all I know, but I do know 100% that I have an amazing life. I can essentially work my own hours that I want to, obviously, but I'm a very self-motivated person and I also wouldn't be here if I didn't have the hustle in me to want to be here at 7am and still here at 7pm. But in saying that, it comes with seasons and I'm all for hustling hard in a certain season and then as that passes, I'm taking that time to, you know, maybe start work an hour or so later and take my dog for a walk at the beach and tap into my creative genius because the beauty of what I do in Real Red Food is new product development and marketing and that's a very creative process to go through. So having the flexibility and the team that I have to manage the labor side of things means that I can sort of create a life that I want to live. You have reached Escape the 9 to 5. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi there. I'm doing a boring day job and finding life sucks. Stuck in a 9 to 5 job and looking for something different? Escape the 9 to 5 is your guide to freedom. My name is Steve O'Ely and my mission is to help you on your own career change journey. I chat with successful professionals who've either taken the leap themselves or have always done work differently. They share stories so that you can learn from their mistakes and benefit from their successes. Escape the 9 to 5 and join us on our journey to a more enjoyable life. Hardly anybody makes money on Instagram, right? It's only famous people with 100,000 plus followers, isn't it? How on earth could I turn a personal interest into something that pays the rent? Nobody actually makes money posting photos of food online. Well, you might be wrong on that one. You're here because you feel trapped in your nine to five job. Chances are you probably went to college, got a solid respectable job, but approaching your late twenties or early thirties, discovered this path was not all it was cracked out to be. If you're like most people, there's probably plenty of hobbies you enjoy doing in your personal time, but none of them feel like something you can turn into a comfortable paying job. This week, we speak to someone who's going to challenge that assumption. I'm host of Escape the 9 to 5, Steve O'Ely. Thanks for supporting the show. In this episode, I speak to Hannah Malsop. She's the founder of Real Rad Food, which is a plant-based dessert company she started as a side hustle. She began making healthy treats as a creative outlet, sharing her treats on social media. What started as a hobby, she grew from the ground up, attending local markets and growing organically excuse the pun, on social media. She now employs a team of five people and ships food online throughout New Zealand. She is living proof you can turn your hobbies into a thriving business. The best part about her story, while she had a small amount of support from her family, she's not a trust fund baby that has been handed the silver spoon to success, achieving her lifestyle through a combination of hard work and passion. You'll learn how you can test the market on social media to discover if there's legs to turning your hobby into a genuine business, why you should always start as a side hustle, and why you've got to be prepared to walk through the crap to get to the destination. But it will be worth it. Just a note from this week's episode. You may hear the odd, unusual background noise, which is just Hannah's dog, Cooper. 
I joined the conversation with Hannah explaining how, despite having an interest in plant-based food and marketing, she ended up going to university and studying geography. Well, when I was at school, there wasn't any subjects that were talking about marketing. And while I was at university, social media and Instagram in particular was just blowing up. So it was very new to a lot of people, whereas now I think that it's something that a lot of people are talking about social media marketing in particular. But yeah, I knew that I wanted to go to university and have some sort of university experience. And I knew that I liked geography. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go study geography and go with all my friends and it'll be fine. And I loved my university experience, but I knew even though I was telling my parents like, no, I might be a geography teacher. Like I knew that it wasn't really lighting my fire. Whereas what I was doing on social media was like exciting me so much. And it was exciting other people too, from the traction that I was getting online. Just to give people an understanding who don't know Real Rad Foods, can you give them a bit of a background as to how you first started the business and then what it involves? But also just to go back a step before that is even when you were thinking about starting the business, you know, doing a geography degree, the safe option would have been to go and do something in the geography field. So how did you overcome those fears and do what you really wanted to do? I sort of monetized what I was doing on social media and turned it into real rad food at the age of 21, which yeah, like young and inexperienced, but the naivety that came with that youth and inexperience and also the fact that I didn't have a mortgage to pay or children to look after meant that it wasn't a massive sort of leap for me. It really came quite naturally for me. And also at the time, the naivety around what business involved and the journey that I would go on with growing real red food served me well because I just jumped straight in and solved problems as they came and then here we are now. Going back to when I sort of started marketing, I suppose, but just sharing images online to a community of people, I didn't have the foresight back then that this was going to be something that I was going to make money off. It was purely just a passion. So from there, we're sharing a lot of plant-based food, just recipes and that sort of thing. And then I started having people wanting to buy the products off me. And then I was like, well, I'm working in all of these cafes part-time and, you know, they're hiring me just to make these plant-based desserts. Why don't I sell this as a service and as a product to not only the food service sector, but also to my audience all over New Zealand? So what Real Red Food does, we're a a health food company that specialises in plant-based food, and that's anything from like a raw slice made of cashews, coconut cream, et cetera, to a blissful premix, which you can find in supermarkets. And we're also just starting to now dip our toes into supplements. So we have a protein powder and we're also extending those lines very shortly. But I wasn't a massive, and I still don't really think that I'm this really entrepreneurial person who jumped in and turned her hustle into, like I did do all those things, but it's not something that I really resonate with. I just want to connect with people and I want to share my love of plant-based food and I want to build a conscious business that is doing good things for people and for the environment and for all the other things that we try and do. Given that you sort of started it at quite a young age, the main listeners of the show have tended to have a few years having done a degree and then a few years in the workplace and a lot of people might be in their late 20s or early 30s and they feel trapped in their current profession and they're thinking about making a change. For you, when you started 
doing this, I know it's a different life stage, so probably a little bit less risk. But when you first started, was there a huge financial risk to you? Like, did you need to get a lot of financial backing or was it kind of just slowly building up your brand and then getting to the point where it became a sort of established business? I invested $5,000 of savings into the business to sort of start it. But that was for me to stop working in the cafe and for me to just go full time into Real Rad Food. So there was that financial investment from me, but we have over the past four and a half years, we've just reinvested everything that we've made. And I guess an important thing to note with that is like I had done over three years at university, I had built up a audience online that was essentially this pool of people waiting for me to sell them a product. So right from the get go, we turned it from a little plant-based Instagram into a brand, which was Real Rad Food. And I had a pool of people there waiting to purchase a product from us. So it meant that we were profitable from the get-go. I attended local markets like Saturday and Sunday every weekend for like a year. And it meant that we were making money and we were being able to inject that money back into the business. And it's been how we've grown over the past four and a half years. We've grown in the same way. We've always just put money back in. And we've also tried to grow really sustainably so that we didn't have to you know, reach out for investors and have the business undervalued at that point because we've grown so much that it would have been a real shame to have someone else come in at that point. So I'm pretty risk averse. Like I'm not one of these entrepreneurs who's going out there sort of like going into a brand new factory. Like we did everything small and we made sure we were getting to the absolute tipping point before I was hiring anyone, before I was buying any equipment. Like we shared kitchen spaces and yeah, again, being young meant that I could just, I worked a lot. So it was like all my labor. Every time I sold it, none of my pricing included labor. So I was like, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. It's awesome that it's something that you're really passionate about. But also the other thing too is not having that huge financial investment to start off with means that you're probably under less stress and can actually just enjoy the journey as opposed to really getting so caught up and having to make profits from day zero. Totally. And again, that comes back to the fact that I was, you know, flatting at the time. My overheads probably could have been maybe $300 max a week if I wanted them to be. So now I think about everything I need to make sure that I'm looking after and I'm like, this thing better keep chugging along because it would be a bit of a different story now. One of the best things about the organic growth Hannah experienced is she never had to invest huge amounts of money or get into significant debt to grow her business. Organically growing an audience on social media before selling anything is a proven strategy for not only starting a business, but for escaping the nine to five. A comment I often get is, I'm not passionate about anything. You don't have to be passionate about anything. Passion comes after years of dedication to a particular interest. What is something you're interested in you would enjoy posting about on social media? Given Hannah turned her interest into a social media following and eventual business, I wanted to get a feel from Hannah what has been her experience working for herself and never having experienced the corporate nine to five job. An interesting one for me because I've had the privilege of never really having a serious job under anyone else. And yeah, it's really bizarre because all of my girlfriends and everything like I haven't experienced any corporate life. I haven't experienced a salary ever in my life. I hope you pay yourself a salary. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. When I hear about people getting like a weekly paycheck of eggs, it's just like odd to me because I structure it differently. But it's all I know. But I do know 100% that I have an amazing life. I can essentially work my own hours that I want to obviously but I'm a very self-motivated person and I also wouldn't be here if I didn't have the hustle in me to want to be here at 7am and still here at 7pm but in saying that it comes with seasons and I'm all for hustling hard in a certain season and then as that passes I especially in the last couple of years and definitely want to look after myself and making sure that I'm taking that time to you know maybe start work an hour or so later and take my dog for a walk at the beach and tap into my creative genius because the beauty of what I do in Real Red Food is new product development and marketing and that's a very creative process to go through so having the flexibility and the team that I have to manage the labor side of things means that I can sort of create a life that I want to live and also I get to have flexibility in terms of when I want to go to a Pilates class. And if I want to go on a run, I don't have to be here till 10 and everything still runs. But it wasn't always like that. And there was a whole lot more pressure on my shoulders in the earlier days that made my life feel totally consumed by real red food. But I've learned a lot as I've gone along the years. And finally, in like a really cool space where all of the hard work means that Real Red Food runs like a well-oiled machine and I can sort of figure out what is next for like me personally and then what I can add to Real Red Food as the CEO as opposed to just a worker. I think in the early phases for any entrepreneur, there's always going to be a couple of years where you're going to be slogging it out and you're not going to have any sort of work-life balance. But the bonus is that once you've got yourself established, you as your own boss have all that control. Just out of curiosity, how many people do you hire? We have three in-house, but we outsource about 60% of our manufacturing now. So we used to make everything in-house, whether that be our ambient products or our frozen products, but now we've outsourced a lot of that just so that we can focus on what we're good at, and that's marketing and new product development. So yeah, we're trying to work in the new product space where we don't have to make it in-house because it's very labour-intensive doing what we do here. Just in terms of establishing the business, were you sort of fortunate enough to have someone within the family that supported you in those early phases or was it more just asking people for help along the way as you grew? My brother is an accountant and he's a banker and he would probably benefit from listening to something like this because he has enjoyed climbing the corporate ladder and the status that comes from being a commercial banker or whatever he does, but he definitely feels like he's destined for more long. Anyways, he's got a massive entrepreneurial flair in him and he really enjoyed sort of living through me and the process that I was going through and had some really awesome advice when it came to like money side of things and also when I was navigating certain supplier relationships, all that sort of stuff. So that was really awesome to have on my side. My dad also was a massive support for me. I think I get my risk averse nature from him though. So I take everything he says with a grain of salt because he's super risk averse. But yeah, he was just, he's just like a good rock to have as well. Just that emotional support. And all of my brothers were there to lend a helping hand in terms of when it got busy in the kitchen. So that was great too. Before we sort of get into some of the downsides of being an entrepreneur, like what was it specifically about the plant-based 
foods that got you so passionate? I was working in a cafe at the time that was fully vegan and I also just found myself following a lot of people on social media that were talking about veganism and I just like fully got like sucked into the community. I'm not a vegan but I I love plant-based food and all of that sort of stuff and I love creating community around healthy food because I love the way that it makes me feel and then sharing that online just ended up connecting me to a whole lot of like-minded people and then I'm able to create products now. I back myself with everything that we do in Real Red Books. I know my customer is so similar to myself, so I'm able to create products that I love because of the community that we've created over the past, you know, seven years, really, because I know that they're all following the brand for similar reasons. I think the mistake that people make, though, is there are people that genuinely are passionate from day one about something, but in reality, you've probably been passionate over years, and that's grown the passion. The mistake people make is they think, I have to tomorrow go start doing this thing and be super, super passionate about it. But there's actually research to suggest that if you do build something over time, you can actually grow that passion. And so you should actually be finding something that you're interested in and pursuing that and working hard at it over years. And over years, you will become, I mean, you've got to have an interest in the first place. You can't go and do accounting if you're not interested in it and then expect to be passionate after five years of accounting. But if you're pursuing something that you're genuinely interested in, I think your friends might look at you and think you're super passionate about plant-based foods. But on day zero, when you got introduced to plant-based foods, you probably weren't super passionate. You probably were just interested and it's just been a process over time. That's made you passionate about it. We've talked about the pros of your lifestyle. Like any job, there's going to be some downsides. Do you sometimes look at someone in a nine to five job and think, I wish I had that? There's maybe been one time or one or two times in this journey where I've been like, I want to go and work for someone else and I want to leave the office at night and not worry about anything. But it's been like overcoming those times and then realizing actually how good I have it in terms of running this business but sometimes definitely I can feel like I'm walking down a dark way and I've got no idea what I'm doing and I don't want the pressure like the pressure can just be a lot and you sit there and think like I've built this machine and I'm now in charge of driving a machine that I don't know how to drive there's like a lot of isolation I think that comes with growing a business with really no experience prior to what I'm doing and sometimes that can definitely make me feel like I just want to work for someone else and get my paycheck and go home but I also have the perspective now of the flip side of it is I get so much gratification not only through launching and selling products that are benefiting people's lives but I have an amazing lifestyle and I'm building an empire that's hopefully going to see me through until I'm a very old lady so the reward of doing what we do here, it's worth it. The good times outweigh the bad, you know, and every time I'm having a bad time and I'm like, I just want to not do this anymore, I think about three main things. The why we're here, the financial side of things and the benefits that that brings me and my future family and the fact that I get to live the life that I want to live in on my terms, which is super rare, especially for someone my age. And I think having that, it's not just the flexibility, I think it's the fact that you're doing something meaningful. I've heard this quite commonly is that three really key parts to a job is mastery, autonomy and purpose. 
So mastery is being good at something. Purpose is doing something meaningful. And autonomy is having that flexibility. And in your case, you've got all three because you're clearly good at what you do. You clearly believe in what you do. And you can do things on your own terms. And for people considering following a passion that might be entrepreneurial, I think they need to not be scared of the tough times because there's no doubt you'll have tough times but at least if you're doing something meaningful it all has got to pay off in the end yeah 100 percent. and like you say like it's not it's it's a win like they're always going to come and you've got to have that determination that fire in your belly for what you're doing in order to make it cut through those hard times because if you don't have that, it would be real easy to just be like, this is too hard, you know? So it's finding something that you really, truly are passionate about and then going with that one. This week, I'd like to share a quote from Oscar Wilde, one of the most famous poets of all time. Work is the refuge of people that have nothing better to do. Are you just advancing your career, doing more study, longer hours because it interests you? or because you haven't found your passion. I ask Hannah what three tips she'd give for turning an interest of yours into a profitable passion. Like a massive thing when I started Real Red Food was I had tested the market before we launched and that was done through cultivating this community online. As I said, I had like this pool of people there waiting to purchase a product prior to even investing any monetary or taking any leap. So I think testing the market in terms of a social media page and getting feedback that way is a really good thing to do. And I also think that having something as a side hustle prior to jumping in, you can back yourself a little bit harder when you know that people are already trying to buy or they're interested in what you're doing and you can make that clearer distinction on when to go full time as opposed to just keeping it as a sign as a bird. It just also takes away some of the stress and gets around financials and that sort of thing. What would be a third tip? I would say be prepared to walk through the shit because it's going to throw curveballs at you on a daily basis, but the journey's never going to be what you expect it to be, but the destination's always going to be worth it. And sometimes you'll feel like you're walking through that light at the end of the tunnel and sometimes you'll feel like you're sort of struggling through a dark hallway, but it is always so much more gratifying when you're building something for yourself and for your family um, as opposed to working for the man. And you'll learn so much in your journey too. I know it would be really stressful and I think you said something along the lines of lonely or... Isolating. Isolating, being on that journey, but you'll learn so much that it's going to pay off in ways that you won't even imagine at the moment, I think. A hundred percent. And as the business grows, you'll get to the point where those parts of the job that you aren't enjoying or you're finding challenging and isn't really your strength, so you can outsource that because you can get someone to do the, say, accounting or whatever it is that might not be your particular passion. In terms of the business, do you have a long-term goal as to where you want it to be? Yeah, I do. I sort of had like a five-year plan and what we want to achieve year one, two, three, four, five, et cetera. But yeah, we are sort of just starting to find our footing in terms of where we really sit within supermarkets, FMCG, and also within the food service space. Yeah, there's been 
a lot of change for us since COVID, good change, and it's altered sort of where I think we're going to go. But I do definitely know that I want to be able to, in like three years' time or so, take a pretty significant step out of the day-to-day. Always want to be involved with overseeing large operations, but I really want Real Red Food to scale pretty significantly over the next three years, and it's going to take a lot from me, but I'm happy to do that if I know that in three years we're going to be at a point where I can go and have a family and we can get a GM in here and it can still continue to run like a well-oiled machine and achieve the things that I wanted to achieve both in New Zealand and abroad. So, yeah, that is long-term thinking, but also... So much to do before then. I know we'll get there, but I'm very much saturated in the business right now, which is fine. But at some point, I don't want to be here the amount that I am. And it's good to have those goals too, because you've got to keep moving. And you sound like quite a driven person. So I imagine staying static and not really growing is not your sort of personality. Yeah, it is. It's pretty hard, actually. It's almost like sometimes you feel like, I often say you're chasing the dragon and especially we've had success from year one and we've grown by like 200%, 300% and there does come a point where your growth starts to slow. We're still growing but it's maybe not 100% anymore. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're failing. Anything lower than that can feel like a failure and that's another thing that I struggle with as an entrepreneur. I know that it all doesn't have sustainable growth and a sustainable model for us. It does need to slow. But having high expectations is probably why I'm here today of both myself and the people around me. But also those expectations need to be managed at some point and you have to be realistic. And in order to play the long game, which is what we're trying to do, yeah, you definitely need to not be trying to feel like you're not achieving the world when really you actually are, especially in current times. If you do consider starting a scalable business like Hannah did, you do need to consider what the long-term business will look like. Business planning is outside the scope of this podcast and you'll need to hire a business coach or mentor, but I will propose a few questions you might find helpful. When you consider an interest of yours and the idea of turning it into a business, What will you be spending the majority of your time doing when the business is established? Is this something that you're going to enjoy doing day in and day out? What is an overarching goal you want to achieve in five years? Do not be modest. As the American Indian proverb goes, aim for the sun, hit the eagle. Aim for the eagle, hit the rock. Create a simple spreadsheet with a five-year plan What are the things you need to achieve in years one, two, three, four, and five? What are the smaller tasks you'll need to complete to achieve each of your year-end goals? Long-term planning is going to be pivotal to escaping the nine to five, and we'll get into it in more detail in later seasons. When you imagine turning your interest into a business, do you imagine yourself being the sole employee Or will you inevitably grow to the point of having multiple employees? If this is the case, do you like people? And can you see yourself leading them? I join the conversation back with Hannah sharing her experience, growing her business to the point of having employees. I'm not a big fan of managing people, and that's why we 
outsource a lot of the labor that we could have done in-house. But I I love the idea of having a big team and cultivating the community in-house, but it's some of my most stressful times in business have been due to people. And yeah, I'm happy to have a hard conversation, but it's also something that puts a lot of stress on me as well. That's sort of why we moved to the model, I guess, of trying to outsource as as much of the producing as we could and just focusing on new product development and marketing. But people are a hard one. I take my hat off to those CEOs or people in HR that manage massive teams because it's challenging. Yeah, I think it's an important thing for people to know if they are keen on this entrepreneurial side is that there's all the fun to creating a new business and the early phase when it's probably financial pressure isn't necessarily high. But then when you're starting any business that's going to do well, you're eventually going to have to be managing people to some degree. Yeah. And I suppose if you really hate managing people, you will get to the stage where someone else can do the managing. So you don't have to worry about that. But there's definitely going to be a period for any entrepreneur where you're going to have to act like a boss and have those hard conversations. Yeah, and I think that majority of my issues came from not setting expectations. And, you know, I learned so much through that process. But, yeah, it was not setting expectations and it also wasn't acting like a boss. And I'm on the floor a lot with the girls, so it's never going to be super, I'm the boss, you're my employee. But um, the lines just got blurred a little bit too much. And that was a massive learning for me. And like you say, like, you learn so much as you go. And, yeah, I've never made the same mistakes as I did with those first few or whatever, but people are, yeah, very hard. One question I did forget to ask was regarding the social media, which is an important aspect of your business. In the early phases, there's no doubt that would be fun, but do you find that because you're having to constantly create material, is there times where it does get a little bit exhausting? So I used to be a lot more front-facing on Real Red Food social media, In order for the business to sort of mature and the brand to mature like it needed to, I'm definitely less front-facing on the social media page and all our marketing, which is really nice because that was full-on. People expecting Hannah's heavy face to show up every morning when sometimes I didn't feel like doing that. So there was a lot of pressure with that. But now we shine a spotlight on products and on our values and on all of that sort of thing as opposed to me as a founder. So that shift has been a really interesting one to navigate, but... It has actually made social media really fun again for us and creating content that's beautiful and yeah, just being the creative behind that has actually been a really well-leaded change. And I love that now again. And then my personal Instagram account is very much like a hobby, which I enjoy to do as well. Like hey, if I don't feel like posting, I just don't post. Whereas that's not the same for real rare food, but I have backpiled content so on days where I don't feel creative then that content's just there for me to put up that was entrepreneur and founder of Real Rad Food Hannah Malsop you can find out more about Hannah at realradfood.co.nz or Instagram at realradfood I know a lot of you are tired of social media the time you waste getting sucked into the Instagram void but there are constructive ways of using it. I for one pretty much gave up on Facebook prior to starting the show, but have since discovered it is great for community discussions, especially Escape the 9 to 5 podcast. Hannah's first tip is she recommends testing the market prior to selling a product or service. 
The easiest way to do this would be to create a community around something that genuinely interests you that you might be considering turning into a business. Two, she recommends doing it as a side hustle, which will become a common theme in this show because it really makes the most sense to have some sort of financial safety net, usually in the form of another job, while your side hustle grows. Three, she says be prepared to walk through the crap. I'm going to elaborate on Hannah's comments and say you've got to persist through the crap. The crap standing for criticisms, rejection, assholes, and pressure. Nothing in life comes easy, and if you can't handle the crap, you're probably not gonna cope with the challenges of escaping the nine to five. There will be people who will criticize you. There will be times when your ideas get rejected. There will be assholes along your journey, and there will be moments when you're put under pressure, financially, emotionally, mentally. Remember the destination is worth it. Nothing worth fighting for comes easy. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. This week's challenge, social media engagement. Challenge accepted. You've already listened to that little voice inside your head and know what is something you enjoy doing. You're just not sure yet how you're gonna make money from doing this. Before starting a side hustle, I recommend becoming active on social media. This will be different for every person, but I'll give you an example to help you out. I have a friend who loves fishing. If he posts photos of himself fishing on social media, chances are, with a number of people who post similar photos, he is not going to be able to turn this into a side hustle. However, like any business, if he gets more specific, he might find a niche that hasn't been tapped yet. Maybe he posts about a handmade fishing flies he enjoys making that are particularly good at catching a certain type of fish. Or he goes on a Facebook community page and offers advice to more amateur fishermen than him in his local region. As he builds credibility, a business opportunity could be formed. No business, big or small, tries to appeal to everybody. Amazon started by focusing on being an online bookstore and is now the biggest online retailer in the world. Walmart started as one low-profit margin store in Arkansas and took over 15 years to open multiple stores. They now have 10,000 stores worldwide. McDonald's started as a single restaurant in California and took eight years before they introduced the concept of speedy service. And from here, fast food service was born and McDonald's exploded. Whatever it is that interests you, start with social media engagement. Challenge accepted. If you need help on your own journey out of a 9 to 5 job, be sure to join our Facebook group, Escape the 9 to 5 Podcast. There you'll meet a group of like-minded professionals on their own journey out of the 9 to 5 job. This week, we'll be discussing ways you can create an online social media presence, starting with being really specific about what you can offer to provide a point of difference. Remember, it only takes around a thousand true fans to make a comfortable living. I'm your host, Steve O'Ealy. Congratulations on continuing your journey out of the nine to five job. See you next week for the finale of season one of Escape the Nine to Five. Escape the Nine to Five is a deals media production. If you felt like this episode brought you any value at all, 
and helped you on your journey to escaping the nine to five, please do give us a rating if you're on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe on whatever app you're listening on. This show is produced and created by me, Steve O'Ealy. Editing is thanks to Jeremy Grater and show music is thanks to Mikey Geiger. For more information and support, please visit our Facebook page, Escape the 9 to 5 podcast. Links to this are in the show notes. See you next time on Escape the 9 to 5.